This is the twelfth year in a row that we've had a theme at Northside. Didn't always do that. We went from series to series, and they weren't always connected, but about a dozen years ago, for some reason, we decided to come up with a theme for the year and build all of the sermon series around that theme, and I think it's been very helpful. I remember things better that way. Uh, admittedly, some of our themes and some of our years were probably better than others, but I hope all of them were useful. Uh, I hope some of them come back to your minds occasionally. I think of one every once in a while, and obviously I had my favorites. Uh, this one this year, uh, I'm excited about. I think this is a, a great theme that we've picked, and together with the series we're going to do on Sunday nights. I think this could be a very transformative year at Northside. Uh, For 2015, one verse is going to keep us busy all year. Our theme is called Walk Worthy of Your Calling. Walk Worthy of Your Calling. And here's the verse that that phrase comes from. It's Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. Paul says to the uh, folks in Ephesus, He said, I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That little verse right there, I said he'd keep us busy all year, uh, it immediately proposes two questions. If that's the only verse you had, if I just gave you that and said, what do you think about that? If you were a brand new Christian, I said, here's what the Apostle Paul urges you. Well, if I was a brand new Christian, and even if I was an old, old Christian, my questions would be, number one, uh, what's my calling? And number two, what's worthy of that? Well, that's what the verse said. I want you to walk worthy of your calling. So we've got to figure out what the calling is. And we're going to take one series to do that, and it won't take us a whole lot of time. And then we're going to spend the whole rest of the year talking about the worthy part. What's worthy of that calling? Uh, We'll start with a series called What's My Calling? Now, our calling may not be quite as clear as Moses' calling. That's why I picked that message, uh, that picture for this this slide. Uh, That was a calling. Yeah, here's poor Moses out being a shepherd, just doing his job, walking along, and there's a bush on fire. And he glances at it, and the bush is not burning up like bushes usually do, so he figures something strange going on. He goes over to the bush, and it is the presence of Jehovah. The great I Am speaks to him. And I don't know what that sounded like. It may have been a gentle whisper. I tend to think it rumbled the ground when he spoke to him, but however he spoke to him, he said, I have a calling for you. Moses, you're going to Egypt. That's your task. That's your calling. That's what I want you to do. Now, that's pretty clear. Uh, Our calling may not be that clear, but it's plenty clear. Today's thoughts are going to be around the, the title of a Christian is called. We've got to understand that. We've got to understand that we are called to something specifically. Uh, 
We're going to spend most of our time today just introducing this concept of what Ephesians 4 1 is all about. Uh, but we're going to spend a little time making sure that we know we are called as Christians. Let's talk just a moment before we begin about the book that this is in. The epistle to the Ephesians, the, the letter to the Ephesians. It has been called the greatest of Paul's epistles. It's been called perhaps the profoundest book in existence. It's been called the divinest composition of man. We're dealing with a very special book here. We spent all year one time on Sunday night studying the book of Ephesians, and it was worth every minute of it. This is a very, very special book. But it's even more special for us, I think, because it was written to the people in Ephesus who lived in a very pagan, heathen, hedonistic, multicultural environment that was anti-Jehovah. And I know some folks who live in a place like that. I know some folks who live in a world like that. And so as we look through what Paul wrote to the folks in Ephesus, I think there's a whole lot of application. I think we can see ourselves there a lot. But even more than that, the book is really... Unique. It's very special because it's divided into two distinct parts. The first three chapters are doctrine. They're things that we need to believe and we need to understand. It's about what we believe. It's theory, if you will. Brother Craig just read you a pretty good part of Ephesians chapter 1. And Paul said there, we've got all spiritual blessings in Christ. Here's what we believe. Here's what God has done for us. He's adopted us as sons and daughters. We have redemption through His blood. We have forgiveness through His glorious grace. We have forgiveness of sins. We have the gift of the living Holy Spirit in us. Paul says, here's what we believe. And then in chapter 4, he switches and says, therefore, here's how I want you to live. Because of all this, here's how I want you to live. In those two parts, we learn what we believe and how we behave. Great book. So the passage that we're looking at, particularly Ephesians 4, 1, starts the second passage, a part of that book, how we behave. Now, let's start by taking apart our key verse. There's five words in this verse that if we understand them, we can get the verse. Okay. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. First, therefore. Therefore. I already told you what that means. Whenever you see a therefore or because or something, you, you go back to what was before it. So Paul starts chapter 4 and he says, therefore. Because of the first three chapters, because of everything I've already written. So if you want to know in detail what therefore means, go back and read the first three chapters. Therefore, because of what I've told you, second word is urge. I urge you to do something. Urge is a stronger word in the Greek than ask. It's not a command, although it's pretty close to a command. 
fact, we ought to take it as a command, I think, when the apostle urges us to do something. But it's a stronger form of ask. And I think the important thing about understanding that it is a, a request, a strong ask rather than a command, is the difference between law and grace. And sometimes we get confused about that. We like laws because they're clear and black and white and all that, but we're living in an age of grace. In the Old Testament, if you read through there, when God talked to his people, it was more of, if you do this, I will bless you. Now, he had a special covenant with them. I know that. But it was dependent, uh, the blessings were dependent on how they behaved. If you do this, I'll bless you. And look at the difference here in Paul, in Ephesians. Paul says, because of what God's done for us, because of his grace, because of his blessings, we ought to do this. I urge you to do this. Okay? Under grace, it's more, I have blessed you, now please walk like it. That's what Paul's saying. He says, because of the great blessings that you have in Christ, I urge you to walk like it. Live like it. Third word is walk. I use the uh, ESV translation here on this because it says walk. There's a lot of other translations that say live a life. And that's what it is. A walk, a daily walk is your daily life. Walk equals life. Uh, even a better word, perhaps, is lifestyle. What's your walk like? What's well, your lifestyle? It's how you live. It's what you do. How you behave. In Craig's prayer this morning, he said sometimes we get tied up. I don't remember exactly how he said it. We get trapped in the details. In this life trying to be Christian, we get trapped in the details. Sometimes we take those details down to this hour. We think being a Christian is something about, it's a worthy of being a Christian if we do the right thing from 10 to 11.15. Christianity is not a one-one deal, it's a 24-7 deal. It's not a one-day-out-of-one-week deal. It's a 24-hour-day-out-of-seven-day deal. That's a walk. It's your whole life. We can't get trapped in those details. And Paul's talking here about your walk, your life, your lifestyle. Fourth word, worthy. Worthy. We've got to understand this one. We'll take a little more time on it. The root of this word is really cool. The root of this word is equalizing the scales. Yeah. What do you mean? Worthy, be equalizing the scales. Well, let's think about it. In those days, in Paul's day, in the Old Testament day, let's say I go to the marketplace and I want a pound of corn. And you tell me, I'll sell you a pound of corn for a dollar. I say, okay. Now, I've got my dollar out. I want to be sure I get my money's worth. Okay? So how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to equalize the scale. The merchant will have a little piece of lead that weighs one pound. You put that on one side of the scale, and then he'll start pouring corn on the other side until the scale 
is equal. I'll give him a dollar for that pound of corn. I know we got the scale equalized. I know I got my money's worth. Okay, that's where the word comes from. Worthy. A walk worthy of your calling. We understand this concept of getting things right and getting the right price and getting things equal and worthy. Okay, I've got a United States coin here in my hand. It says on it, one dollar was minted in 2009. It's an American Silver Eagle. It says one dollar on it. Will anybody give me five dollars for it? Okay. Okay, there's a smart person over there. Will anybody give me ten dollars for it? Okay, somebody will give me ten dollars for it. Anybody give me fifteen dollars for it? Okay. How come these people are willing to pay fifteen dollars so far? I'm not done. Fifteen dollars so far for a coin that says one dollar. Okay? Because of worth. Another thing it says on this coin, it says one ounce of fine silver. Okay, now we know something else about it. It's stamped one dollar, but it says it's one ounce of fine silver. What's one ounce of silver worth on the scale? Okay, somewhere around nineteen dollars. Somebody keeps up with the market. Okay, uh, that's really close to what this is worth. Depending, you can look it up on the internet or you can read in the paper every day. What is an ounce of silver worth? And it'll tell you. So if I really wanted to sell this, which I don't, (laughs) I could probably get it up over 15 a little bit. Okay. Now, how do we do that? How do we know how to trade this fairly? We make it worth what it's worth. Well, we've put it on the scale. If it's really one ounce of pure silver, then it's worth $19 something. Okay, you get it? That's what Paul's talking about. That's the word he uses here. All right, fifth word and last word is calling. Calling. Today we kind of think of calling as being a religious thing. He's called to be a preacher. He's called to be a missionary. Called to do this or that. That's not the way the word was really used. It comes from the Latin uh, to call, and the word is vocation, uh, is what really is a calling. Uh, your job, your position, what you do is what a calling is. Now, yes, there are religious callings, but there's also secular callings. Uh, this is what I'm called to do. This is what I do. This is my job. This is my position. This is whatever. That's what this word means. What you do. Okay? Now, we've got all five of our words defined. Now let's use them. Let's picture our verse. Okay, I've got our scale here since that's how we determine worth. And Paul says, walk worthy of your calling. That's the two things we've got to balance. We've got to balance our walk and our calling. That's Paul's urging here in Ephesians 4.1. Okay? Now, I want to change it a little bit so we understand it a little bit better. Instead of walk and calling, I want to use some other words. One reason I want to change calling is because we've got lots of callings. Okay? Uh, we, we may have a job, a position, as a machinist. 
or a manager or, or something like that. But we do other things. We may have a hobby of fishing. I, you may say, I love to fish. Are you called to fish? Well, you, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Those fish are calling sometimes. That's what you do. That's kind of who you are in some ways. Uh, you may help coach your kid's athletic team. Why do you do that? Because it pays so much? No, because you're called to do that. I love to do this. I want to help the kids. Okay? You may be a deacon at church. Okay? That's, you're called to do that. You put all those things together, and to just say calling and think about job, I don't think quite gets it all. So this helps me understand it. What I'd put in there is, let's call it our identity. Let's think of it as who you are. That's your calling. That'll wrap everything up in it. That'll talk about your secular job, your hobbies, your your volunteer work, your religious work, everything. I'll put it all together. It's who you are. How somebody would describe you at your funeral. Here's who this guy was. Let's use that instead of calling. Okay? Now, instead of walk, let's call it lifestyle. And we'll think of it as how you live. Now, this is what Paul's urging us to do. This is Ephesians 4.1 pictured on the scale. Paul says, I urge you to have a lifestyle worthy of your identity. I urge you to live in a way worthy of who you are. Okay? That helps me understand that verse. Now, Let's practice a little bit, make sure we get this. Let's take some examples from life and see if we can think this way of balancing a lifestyle with an identity. Let's think of an employee, whatever the job is. I thought of, well, first person you run into when you walk in most businesses, there's a receptionist. Okay? That's her, that's who she is. She's a receptionist. Now, I know in the bigger picture there's more to it, but right now we walk in, there's a receptionist. What do we expect? How do we expect her to live in that job worthy of who she is? Well, we could easily figure it out. We expect her to be pleasant. We expect her to be kind of cheerful and greet us with a smile. We expect her to be dressed professionally because she's representing the company that we've come into. I would also expect her to be kind of firm and kind of protective in some ways. There's a salesman come in there and want to talk to people and all that. They don't have time to talk to everybody that comes in the door. What's the receptionist supposed to do? Well, that's one thing she's supposed to do is filter out who should get in and who shouldn't. That's how we expect her to act. If she doesn't do that, then her lifestyle isn't worthy of her identity. Okay? We, we, I mean, this is so easy. This is why I want to practice because we get it so easily. Many of you are athletes on your school teams, high school, college, junior high. You're athletes. 
when you get to be an athlete on a team, does the coach have some expectations of how you're supposed to behave to be worthy of being an athlete on his team? Yeah, we understand that. We, we can figure that out. You're supposed to study. You're supposed to keep your grades up. You're supposed to stay out of trouble. Probably got a curfew you're supposed to meet. Probably not to mess with drugs or alcohol. Probably got all those things that are your expectations. You're probably expected to come to practice on time. You expect that, coach? Okay. Come to practice on time and practice hard. If you don't do that, what's the problem? You're not living worthy of who you are. You're an athlete on this team. It's simple. Let's do one from the negative side, because we often see that. This is easy to understand. Some people are called to be mothers. Do you ever pick up the paper and see there a mother left her baby in the car seat in a hot car with the windows rolled up. What do you say? She's not worthy to be a mother. You don't do that if you're a mother. She's not worthy. She's not living in a manner worthy of her calling. We understand that. We say, I'll take that kid away from her. She's not worthy. We understand this verse. It's just so easy. Paul in Romans 1.1, and almost every epistle he wrote, he started this way. He says, Paul, called to be an apostle. He reminds himself and all of his readers, I have been called to be an apostle. And you read through all those epistles, and he constantly brought that up. He'd bring it up, and he'd say, because I'm an apostle, when I was there, I worked hard. When I was there, I never asked you for money. When I was there, I set an example for you. You can't remember anything I did wrong while I was there because I'm called to be an apostle, and I lived a certain way. That's the way Paul thought about it. Because of who I'm called to be. I live a certain way. You got it? We live worthy of who we are. Okay? Now, once we got that, we just got to wrap this up this morning by figure out, figuring out what we're called to. Now, don't get confused. I know we're called out. That's another subject. That's what church means, the called out. The ecclesia, the people called out from the world. I thought about doing this for that this morning. I thought about picking a few people and saying, I'm calling you out of the audience. Come up here and sit on the front row. We'd get the picture that they were called out, but they'd sit there the rest of church saying, what am I supposed to do? You know, but called out and called to is something different. And we want to talk about what we're called to. I know we're called out of the world, which tells us we're supposed to be different from the world, and we'll probably talk about that one week. But what are we called to? I picked a few quick verses. We're going to run through them, just read them, and that's about it. And they're all about calling. Specifically say, here's what we're called to. Ephesians 1.18. Paul said, I pray 
and he's talking to the Ephesians again, that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. What are we called to? We're called to a great hope. We're called to hope in the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Philippians 3.14, Paul told the people in Philippi, I press onward toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. He has called me to a prize in heaven. 1 Thessalonians 2.12, Paul said, Live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and his glory. We're called to be in his kingdom. We're called to be in his glory. Second Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14. Paul says, God chose you to be saved. He called you to this. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are called to be saved. We're called to live in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 1.9, God, who has saved us and called us to a holy life. He's called us to live a life set apart. Holy doesn't mean perfect here, folks. Holy means set apart, a life different. That's what we're called out to. We're called out of the world to be different, to be separate. 1 Peter 5.10, and the God of all grace who called you, to his eternal glory in Christ will make you strong, firm, and steadfast. We're called to his eternal glory in Christ. You get that? I don't know if you walked in here thinking, that's what my calling is. Maybe you were thinking at a whole different level. But today as we understand the fact that we are called, let's get this part. Here's what we're called to. As a Christian, you and I have a great hope. As Christians, you and I will receive the riches of his glorious inheritance. We have got a prize waiting in heaven. That's what we're called to. We are in his kingdom. We're in his glory. I am saved because he called me. I share in the glory of my Lord Jesus Christ. I'm intended to live a holy life, a separate life, and I will celebrate the eternal glory of Christ Jesus. That's who I am. That's who you are if you're a Christian. That's your identity. Who are you? That's who you are. That's what you're called to. The first part of Ephesians chapter 1 that Craig read to us, We are adopted as sons and daughters. That's who we are. We have been freely given His glorious grace. We have redemption through His blood. We have forgiveness of sins. That's what we've been called to. That's our calling. I know who I am called to be. Now the question is, do I live like it? I just told you who you were called to be. Do you live like it? That's what we're going to talk about all year. 
Understanding the calling is going to take us a few weeks. The worthy part is going to take us longer. We're going to tie that together with a series on Sunday nights called Training with the Twelve. The concept is that Jesus picked twelve guys, kind of ordinary guys, kind of, well, they were a messed up bunch. And he called them to be his apostles, and he trained them for a few years. He trained them to begin the kingdom. And I sometimes read those stories and I wonder, what would it have been like to sit at the campfire with him and hear these things firsthand? I might understand how I'm supposed to grow the kingdom. That's what we're going to do on Sunday nights is go through a training with the twelve. We're going to play like we're the thirteenth apostle and learn right along with them. We want to learn how to walk worthy of the calling that we have received. We'll spend a few more weeks on what's my calling. Today we talked about a Christian is called, and I hope you understand that now. Next week we're going to say, we're going to talk about answering the call. Okay, we're called. How do we answer it? How do we get in this business of being called and, and being an adopted son or daughter of Christ? When you understand who you are. It changes things. When you really understand who you are, sometimes we'll run into somebody in public, won't we, as an employee or a representative of this or representative of that, and we say, I don't think they understand who they really are. They're not acting like they ought to. They're not behaving like that company would want them to. When you understand who you are, when you get that in your head, it changes a lot of things. I'd propose, in fact, today that it changes how you sing. <laughs> I asked Charles to lead a song, an invitation song. It's not ever used as an invitation song that I know of. It's a little different. It's He gave me a song. I was looking for songs to illustrate today's lesson, and I looked through there, and I, I saw that. And I said, now this is a song, it's not a draggy song. It's not a somber song. It's not a dirge, like we sing sometimes. This is a song of the redeemed. And we'll sing it like that if we understand who we are. Now we're going to sing it for an invitation song, and if you need to respond publicly in any way, you come right on down the aisle. But what I want us to do today is close our time together singing a song that we can sing all week because of who we are. This is a song that's worthy of our calling. Let's stand and sing. Brother Charles, come and lead this one.